1: Good Tuesday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Cantoneo with David Faber at the New York Stock Exchange. Cramer's at One Market in San Francisco. Futures kind of steady here as we get a good start to retail earnings season. Home Depot blows it out. Walmart raises guidance. Overall retail sales above expectations up for the third straight month. Our roadmap begins with those retail sales surprising to the upside. Walmart's Doug McMillan is going to join us exclusively
2: Plus, we are still keeping a close eye on those EVs. Shares of Rivian and Lucid surging once again ahead of the open. Tesla pulling back amid CEO Elon Musk's continued sale of stock.
1: And cryptocurrencies retreating from some record levels. Bitcoin briefly drops below 60K today. Jim, uh, choose your player, uh, Walmart or Home Depot. What's the more impressive one today?
3: Well, look, I have to tell you, Home Depot's got no flies whatsoever. They literally just said, look, things are good. Uh, better than expected. There's great demand. And you come back from Home Depot and you say, you know what? What people want is to redo their place. And it's continuing now that the pandemic is is running its course. Uh, Much stronger because I think there are a lot of people who felt that, well, hold it. I mean, now that the pandemic's over, I mean, there's still more to do with their house. But the answer is, of course, people want to make their house into an office. Uh, There's plenty of money around. It seems to be going more to Home Depot than I, I certainly expected.
1: Yeah, transactions though at Depot down about five. They made up for it obviously on ticket. Any reason to worry there?
3: No. Look, I think they're they're going pro. We have to hear what Marvin Ellison says tomorrow at Lowe's. But uh, you you can look at Home Depot as a, uh, through the ticket eyes, or you can look at Home Depot through the fact that it was supposed to not have a good quarter. Uh, that people really looking for the idea that. The best quarters were behind them. We kept hearing that at Home Depot. I just don't understand how people can think the best quarters are behind a company that's deeply involved with the changing workforce and the hybrid work model. David, when we look at a Home Depot, what we should be thinking immediately is, you know what? Your home is your office. Where do you go to do that? Where does the contractor go, which is more important right now? Let's do it yourself, more contractor. So, David, Home Depot's in the sweet spot.
2: Yeah. Yeah, uh, they seem to be, Jim. And, of course, the stock, as we see right there, already having a very nice move over the last couple of years. Listen, Walmart equally impressive, even if the stock doesn't look to be up right now. In fact, to Carl's point, their comp transactions were up 5.7%. When you look at a two-year, what they call a two-year stack, meaning how have sales grown over the last two years, 15.6%, and uh, comp sales up 9.2%. Jim, a theme I've been hearing for a while is the big are in a much better position dealing with their supply chain, given their scale, given their leverage that they have with vendors and everything else, to deal with the the current morass than some smaller retailers. And in fact, this will only exacerbate the division between small and big. Um, We're not even talking online versus versus in-store. Here, I'm just talking the big are benefiting in part because they have more control over their supply
3: chain. Totally. I mean, look, this is an issue of scale. When I'm out here Every single person talks about scale. Well, Walmart has it. They have a flywheel going here with uh, with their e-commerce play. Uh, the numbers were extraordinary. Now, Walmart's a very, as we'll hear from Doug when we speak of Walmart's an honest company, and they say, listen, there's some uh, there's some pressure, uh, inflationary pressure. Obviously, they're taking share. I like share versus them cutting price and worrying about gross margin. Obviously, the market seems to be possessed by gross margin, Dave, just possessed, as if Walmart <laughs> has to raise prices and not lose any customers. Carl, Walmart is an inflation fighter, first and foremost. OK, and then second, they are a share taker in grocery. And the idea that the stock's down is really a problem with Wall Street, not a problem with the company. The company is delivering Although- exactly what we want.
1: Yeah, uh, nothing new. Uh, classic response on Walmart shares to earnings I that I think in many cases uh, trades down on the print. You mentioned grocery, uh, U.S. grocery up 10, Jim, and margins down, what, 40 basis points. I mean, uh, they are clearly able to make up for it and hence the raise guidance. Uh, you know, when I see that
3: the gross margin was down a little on a re- retailer in this environment, I know everybody's going to hate it. And The stock was up three initially before we sussed out the gross margin. And when we speak to Doug, we have to talk about the idea of what it's like to decide to really run the, ta- run the table against every other retailer uh, that's not, uh, you know, Home Depot and Lowe's, notwithstanding. And I think that Doug is competing aggressively against Amazon, competing aggressively against Costco, and I think he's winning his share. I want to hear about with brick-and-mortar advantage when it comes to omnichannel. Channel. But David, look, you cover Walmart longer than anybody. You know that Walmart <sighs> Is pro-consumer? Do you think that the pro-consumer attitude meant that they didn't take the price increases that they could have?
2: Probably uh, to a certain extent. And listen, they go—they're obviously uh, great merchants as well, and they're making right. decisions in certain areas where to be very competitive, and others, perhaps where they think they can take price. Right. Uh, but yeah, I mean that is the mantra of the company, right? It's still in, still about living better and saving money. Um, and that has been ever since the days of sam walton um i appreciate your saying that i haven't focused on walmart as quite as closely as i did for a number of years there when we did two documentaries jim but uh yes uh that is typically been the case you know my question to you would be listen walmart made what 5.8 billion in operating income yeah this quarter home depot 4.1 billion not hearing anything more, though, about return of capital at this point. You know, Walmart well, says they repurchased 7.4 billion shares a year to date, r- about 35 percent heavy of their weight. 20 billion.
3: Yeah. I thought that was yeah. heavyweight, that, that buyback. But you're right, David. Mm-hmm. I mean, are they returning capital to, at the rate that you want, say, Chevron, which I had last night, uh, Mike Worth? Well, the answer is, is that they're still growing and they're still taking share. But you know what we got to talk about? My Walmart, David, very curiously, was out of a lot of things. Uh, particularly out of anything sporting goods related. Uh, and it also was sparsely uh, staffed. And I want to know from Doug, are they? how are they getting staffed? I mean, Carl, you know, in the Great Resignation, what is the Great Resignation about? It's people who say, you know what? My job is repetitive. I don't want to do it anymore. I realize how life is short and precious. That's kind of what the pandemic did, except for we didn't have to go to war to do it. We just stayed home. But, you know, Carl, we got to ask, Are people wanting to stay and continuing to work at Walmart? Because maybe that has to do with uh, gross margin pressure, too. Um, When you train people who are new people, that training is a dead weight loss. That's why Costco is so good. No one ever leaves. So I don't know. I want to know about staffing, and I want to know about the aisles that I went to, Carl, that didn't have any merchandise.
1: That's a good point. Uh, Jeffries had a note out yesterday about the great resignation. Uh, One of their takeaways, Jim, compensation, the number one reason that employees quit Burnout prevalent across industries. Uh, flexibility the new normal. Eighty percent surveyed support a four-day work week. Four days. I don't know what the other twenty percent are thinking. Four-day work don't know, week.
2: But this this four-day work week, Jim. I mean, I'm sure it comes up in the conversations you're having with CEOs out there. In particular, so many of their work, so much of their workforce is remote when it comes to the tech world, and many of them don't have an expectation people are going to come back, maybe at all, but certainly not five days a week. Four days a week now seems to be the norm in terms of at least the most you can expect. Well, you I mean, that's your, why you need artificial People coming to, intelligence. The, coming to the office, um, to Carl's point. But what what's going to bring people back to the workforce? Uh, you know, is it going to be when they run out of money? What, what, yes. what actually is going to No, we're out of
3: money. I mean, that's what Bank of America would tell you. Brian Moynihan would tell you, listen, everybody's flush. One day they won't be flush, but as they're flush, they're taking advantage of it. That's why I kind of really like travel here, because I think that people are saying, I have not seen the world. The epidemic, the pandemic has opened my eyes. Carl, I don't think we've adjusted enough to the behavior of a post-pandemic world where people are just kind of saying, you know what? I do not want to just sit here and do what I've been doing. I don't really like what I do. I've got a little cash. Let me go do something, anything other than my job. But Carl, in the end, you got to put food on the table. So in the end, these savings do run out. But right now, I think people feel very, very liberated. Can I just say for Walmart, why are we selling it now when the ho- this is going to be their greatest holiday season ever, given where the prices are? So I don't know, Carl. I'm more, I'm more sanguine than most. Yeah.
1: Uh, well, as, what? as Bespoke has pointed out, uh, Walmart typically opens higher on earnings reaction days, but has fallen from open to close on 12 of the last 14. Well, let's think the about last it. 14, what happens? It's
3: down. Walmart wow. is the least promotional of any company I know. When we listen to Doug McMillan, will he don the hair suit? Will he become, once again, a steward of David, of good corporate governance uh, uh, of of trying to make it so the American consumer does better and using the scale, I don't know. David, I think that Walmart goes down because it's humble. Humility's a great thing, and I got some. Do you have any? <laughs>
2: yeah, I think
3: I have some. You have humility? I don't know. It's humility for fifty for five hundred. I went. I played Jeopardy.
1: <laughs> uh, when we come back, an exclusive, as we've said, with the Walmart CEO Doug McMillan on the consumer, inflation, supply chain, and a lot more. Don't go anywhere.
0: Every day, thousands of Comcast engineers and technologists put people at the heart of everything they create.
3: Beating on the top and bottom lines, raising its full year forecast convincingly. Comps also coming in above estimates. Some people are concerned about gross margins. We're going to have to understand where that is. Is it supply chain? Is it labor? Is it just trying to do good for the consumer? So joining us now exclusively to break down the quarter and figure out what's going on is Walmart's president and CEO, Doug McMillon. What a joy, Doug. Thank you for so much for coming on Squawk on the Street. Great to see you. Hey, Jim. Hey, David. Hey, Carl. All right. So, Doug, let's let's get right to the point here. If I go to the stores, how do they look? How's shopping going for the Christmas holiday? And do you think that you're going to become a go to destination, given the fact that you're obviously offering the best bargains?
4: Yeah, Jim, I think it's going to be a strong holiday. Back to School was strong. Halloween was incredibly strong. Thanksgiving and Christmas will be, too. I was in Canada last week. Same thing's happening there. Around the world, seasonal business is going to be strong. And we've got enough inventory to, to drive sales. We don't have everything we want, but as you saw in the results, we're up about 11% in inventory.
3: OK, so let's go over what's going on. I, I have a view of the stock, which uh, kind of I said transcends the way Wall Street thinks. Doug, I think that you are determined to not pass on price increases. I think everybody has. Every retailer I go to, it's just much more expensive than it was a year ago, but not your place. Is it possible that you're trying to take share, or is there something even bigger about Walmart and its ethos, which is that you are not going to let the American consumer down because you're an inflation fighter? Jim, it's our purpose. Uh,
4: We save people money and help them live a better life. Those are the words that came out of Sam Walton's mouth. He loved to fight inflation. So do we. So, yeah, our cost inflation is higher than our retail inflation, and we could decide to pass more of that on. We're passing enough of that on to deliver for shareholders. I mean, the EPS results speak for themselves. But we're proud to try and hold prices down. And our conversations with suppliers... Today, tomorrow will be, you know, how can you help us roll back prices and swim upstream and be different than everybody else? Now, we'll balance things. You know, you can see in the quarterly results that that's what we did,
3: but we start out trying to figure out how to help people save money. Well, that should be a a flywheel effect. People will come and see that you didn't raise prices. And theoretically, that means for 2022, even more market share take. I love the way you took share in grocery, but I think you can extend to that. Uh, Is your playbook, once again, going to play into a long-term positive scenario? Or, Doug, is next year an investment year? And once again, gross margins could be dinged because of how much money you're going to put into places.
4: You well, know, Jim, I think it's important that everybody realizes that our business model is changing. Um, we're making money in different ways. Walmart's become more of a digital company, in some ways, more of a technology company. Um, we're investing, as as I think you know, to transform our technology and to work in different ways. And so we've got some businesses, like the advertising income business in the US, we call it Walmart Connect, but it's also happening in India with Flipkart and PhonePay, in Mexico with Walmex, it's happening in Walmart Canada. We're taking these higher margin digital businesses and we're starting to scale them, which will help us with that purpose I described earlier. We'll have uh, money to decide whether or not we invest it or it flows to the bottom line. And I think you know that business model change is a significant development, and uh, we'll be saying more about that in the future, but it's well underway, and, and we've been talking about it for a while now.
2: It's David. Um... If memory serves, you probably are still the single largest private employer in this country. I know Amazon's hired an awful lot of people over the last couple of years. But, uh, you know, what are you seeing right now on the labor front in terms of your ability to attract and retain talent and or whether, you know, you're coming up short uh, in part as so many other businesses seem to struggle to find labor?
4: David, it's much better. Um, here in the U.S., we saw a pretty significant change as the government stimulus started to go away. And um, we are in full, full employment at Sam's Club U.S., Walmart U.S., a few weeks ago, really saw a step change in hiring. Um, we're not as concerned about that as we would have been, say, two months ago. We're in good shape for the holiday. We've hired a lot of people to help with e-commerce fulfillment and in our supply chain as well as in our stores.
1: Hey, Doug, uh, the White House had some comments the other day about uh, large retailers and the shelves being adequately stocked for the holiday. Uh, Did you give the White House any color? Can you share some of that? And also some of these, I guess people are calling them novel practices of securing your own freighter to get uh, containers to the U.S. Is that something you're actively involved in?
4: It is, and we're grateful for the the help we've been getting from the administration and others to solve these problems. And one of the things I shared with the president is that our container count coming through the West Coast has kicked up significantly. Uh, now, remember, about two-thirds of what we sell in the United States is made here in the U.S. or grown here in the U.S., so it's that other third. It comes from China, India, Canada, Mexico in particular. So Canada and Mexico, we, we obviously get some relief but those containers coming in through the west coast in particular our team's done some really creative things Um, they they found some property near one of the ports which enables the drivers that are that are authorized to pull those containers out of the port to have a shorter drive so that we can then pick it up and take it ourselves for the longer haul that is one of the things that the team's done creatively to get more throughput Um, our truck drivers have done a fantastic job Um, everybody's just worked creatively and Sometimes you hear us say that our, our scale helps us navigate these things. I think our experience and, and the creativity that of the team is every bit as important as the size of the company.
3: All right, So, Doug, the stock is uh, looking down, and it's not really performed as well as some of the others. You've got a huge amount of firepower. you got $20 billion authorization. You've only bought 7.4 billion shares to date. Isn't this the time to be able to say, you know what? We have the money to be able to grow, the money to be able to make it so that the consumer is going to do better if they go to Walmart. And it's time for the stockholders because the stockholders deserve it uh, because we've been patient. I'm there. I'm thinking about my my charitable trust, which I'm now part of this, this investment club, where I've been saying, look, this is the time for Walmart for 2022. Isn't this the time to step up to the plate and buy a ton of stock?
4: And Jim, I think there are some people that wish we were flowing through all of the price increases so that our gross margin would have been higher. We just disagree with that. You know, I think, as I said on the call a few minutes ago, we're managing the bottom line, but the pieces in between, whether it's gross margin, SG&A, or others, we want flexibility to make good decisions for the long-term health of the business on those. Now, we've got a responsibility to grow earnings. We've got a nice dividend, a share repurchase program as part of what we offer as a company. And I... Frankly, um, you know, you and I have talked about this before, basically everything I have is in Walmart stock and I love that fact. And I think, you know, our company is worth more than it was and it'll be worth more in the future, but we do have a long-term bias. And so investors that are in alignment with that probably appreciate the investments that we've made. And I got a question on the last earnings call about investment cycles. And my response was, we'll always be investing. You know, we're gonna invest in wages. We're gonna invest in automation. At times we're gonna invest in price. But we'll manage the bottom line as we do that and shifting the business model of the company and becoming more digital is one of the key enablers for us to be able to do both of those things at the same time. Um, The growth numbers, if you look at what's happened just in the last, I think it's three years, we've grown by the size of a top 10 US retailer. You know, the absolute numbers in terms of growth and the progress we've made on the bottom line in the last few years, I, I think kind of speaks for itself, but you know, the market doesn't always view things the same way that we do. And uh, we'll just keep communicating what our plan is and hopefully attract the right set of investors.
3: All right, let's talk Walmart Plus. Uh, how's the growth there? Uh, are you happy with it? I know that some of Wall Street thinks that uh, you're a little bit stalled. And then uh, using it, uh, leveraging some of, of your brick and mortar for Walmart Plus and something, Doug, that you and I have talked about. The idea of using the stores to be able to say, become great uh, a, a bank for people. Or, or how about healthcare? Using the stores after what you did with the vaccines, to be able to make it so that I want to get my Shingrits, I go to Walmart. If I belong to Walmart Plus, maybe I get a discount on my drugs. You can leverage these things like no other company because of your great brick and mortar presence.
4: Jim, the stores are a huge advantage and they're looking better. Um, our super center remodels look really good. Um, We had a board meeting last week and took our directors to one of our stores and it has a healthcare clinic in it and our new signing and some of the new modulars, some new work we're doing in apparel and I'm really excited about the future of our super centers. And they do form a hub of the strategy. They can help with delivery. um, They can be a magnet as it relates to not only grocery and general merchandise, but also healthcare and other things in the future. And they are a foundational cornerstone of the omni-channel strategy. Walmart Plus is important to us, um, but we've been careful all the way along to not let just one metric define the company. Walmart's bigger than that and broader than that. And Walmart Plus was initially launched with three value propositions, but the primary one, the most important one, was delivery from the stores and we launched it during the pandemic. So we had out of stock challenges, our net promoter scores weren't as high as we wanted them to be. Our focus is on the quality of that experience more than the membership count. Over time, we obviously want a lot of members. And when we get a member, they spend more than customers. So, you know, that's attractive. But we don't want to get ahead of ourselves, and, and I think the offer for Walmart Plus can continue to grow. But that execution of delivery from the stores and from the e-commerce fulfillment centers, where we've been building capacity and adding to the marketplace, we added 21 million items to the marketplace just last quarter. Building fulfillment services, all of these things come together to create a, a different business, and, and Walmart will be an important. Walmart Plus will be an important part of that, but it's not the only story.
2: Uh, Doug, it's David again. You and I met years ago at this point when you were running international. I think we were in China together, uh, which leads me to ask about international. We don't talk about it as often. $23.6 billion in sales for the quarter. Obviously, there were a lot of divestitures over the last year as well. Uh, you called out in the release uh, China in particular, Mexico Flipkart, but e-commerce. What are you seeing in those markets that's giving you some confidence potentially?
4: Yeah. David, thanks for asking about it. We, we don't talk about International in Sam's enough. I mean, Sam's Club U.S. is a fabulous business, more members than ever, up 13.7% in comp. And yeah, International had a great quarter too, and it's had a great couple of years. Um, profit grew faster than sales. One of the interesting things, David, your point about e-commerce is that we're actually ahead in our businesses outside the U.S. in terms of digital percentage of where we are in the U.S. In um, International, we're up to about 19% of our total sales being digital. So that's an order that comes through an app or a, a website, and we deliver it, and in some cases, really fast, um, in, in cases like that in China. But the e-commerce business in, in Mexico has been growing. This acquisition that we made a few years ago of Flipkart and phone Pay in, in India is, is going really well. We're learning things from that business that are helping with our digital transformation. The international business, um, as part of Walmart, is underappreciated.
3: All right, Doug. So the one thing I keep hoping to hear from you is that I can get some sort of proposition, bargain, if I join Walmart Plus that is better than Amazon Prime. Uh, Something that makes it so it's easier. Something that makes it so it's higher quality. Something that makes it so that you leverage your scale in my favor. Can you do that in 2022?
4: Jim, I think a couple of things come to mind. The first is that we've got these stores so close to people that we can do fresh and perishable delivery along with the rest of the Supercenter fast and at Walmart prices. So sometimes people get focused on an annual membership fee or other aspects. The cost of goods matters too. And if you look across a basket of Walmart goods...
0: People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarporg tools. What's on the horizon for financial markets?
4: same day from super centers, including fresh and perishable, that's differentiated and we are being aggressive in that space. We can do other things too, though, like what we're doing right now with giving customers, Walmart Plus members, I should say, early access to special items for the holiday. And that's something that's proving to be very popular. We'll keep finding more ways to make you want to be a Walmart Plus member. But right now, getting you fresh and perishable food at Walmart
3: prices fast is a pretty compelling offer. Well, Doug, I've got to thank you so much for coming on Squawk on the Street. It is great to see you. And I agree with you that the long term, if America gets a bargain, Walmart stock is going to prove to be a bargain right now. Doug McMillan, CEO of Walmart. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you all. Carl.
1: Uh, Busy morning, guys. Uh, we got news on Tesla, Uber, Peloton, and more. Opening bell a few moments away.
2: Welcome back. We're going to squeeze in a mad dash, then we'll get to the opening bell. It's a week since GE said, hey, we're going to become three companies. It's going to take us a little while.
3: I love consistency, David. And the consistency we're getting from Stephen Toussaint from JP Morgan is truly impressive. Today, he goes after the GE renewable business. Now, David, tell me if this is suboptimal. He says that the company's poorly positioned when it comes to portfolio mix to margins and most importantly, level of investments in technology. I think he's saying that this renewable business is not up to snuff. He thinks that the value, overvaluation is as much as $20 billion. And here's my favorite line, because you know, 2 an artist, not just a scientist. The thrill of ESG more than offset by the agony of fossil. The agony of fossil. Have you ever heard of that? The agony of fossil.
2: He's, yes, you say he's consistent. Jim is Tucson GE. Carl,
1: uh, guys, there's the opening bell. Uh, watching uh, Brett fill in a little bit here at the big board. It's ratings and analytics firm Moody's at the Nasdaq. It's healthcare company Beatrice celebrating its first anniversary. Uh, Jim, we'll keep our eye on the retailers and I guess um, as by extension uh, some yields as well. Uh, Thirty-year once again above two, and uh, you got the ten-year one six three four. That's going to be the highest since late October.
3: You know, it's funny. You listen and reflect on what Doug McMillan said, which is, of course, 200 million people go to Walmart each week. And uh, they are an inflation fighter. And everyone just says, listen, inflation is really not transitory. Don't believe them. The, the, the Fed is way too liberal, too soft. Walmart stock is down 2 bucks, And that's completely reflected, reflecting the idea that they refuse to raise price. So if they refuse to raise price, it shows you that you can still get a bargain in this country. David, you know that Walmart literally is sacrificing margin in order to be able to make it to take share. But the ultimate impact is that the consumer is not as strapped if they go to Walmart.
2: Right. So it, that should work. That's been the right. plan, as uh, as as Mr. McMillan said, since the days of Sam Walton. Uh, and it's worked pretty well. But it hasn't worked for the stock price over the last year, Jim. You seem to be In the camp that says it will over time be reflected in the stock price. Obviously, we heard McMillan say
3: the same thing. Right, well, look, my Chapel Trust owns it. I'm going to be talking about it a lot when I do my uh, investment club forecast because I think that what he's saying is look, we have to invest, we have to take share. We do have Flipkart. David, the thing that was odd was that your question, what was he most excited about? China. And then after that, India. You didn't get that level of excitement, did you, David, about America?
2: No, the growth, you know what, their growth there was stronger, and they seem to be further ahead in their efforts when it comes to e-commerce in those countries, in part because a lot of it began that way. Uh, and with the Flipkart acquisition, it's true. Nobody now, listen, cares. 20, you know, yeah, I mean, it's, well, you know, it's $140 billion, what, or so in, in sales, right? And only $23 billion is, uh is international. So percentage-wise, it's still not that large.
3: But consider Home Depot. I mean, that's why, Carl, when you started, you said, which is more important? I mean, Home Depot. Man, this is a $400 billion company. It's up fourteen, dollars And why? Because they're passing on everything. I mean, Walmart, at Walmart you go to the aisles at the same price as it was a year ago. Home Depot, things are more expensive, but they're still buying. I mean, go back over that Stanley Black & Decker call, Carl. They're raising price. And they're saying they're going to get that price. Paint costs, they are all getting their price. When you say get price, Carl, that means their Home Depot is passing it on, the contractors are paying, and then you're paying if you're making your house better. You are paying. So you're not paying if you go buy lettuce at Walmart. You are paying if you're trying to get your place better to be able to have a home office.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah it's a great point, Jim. Um, using Walmart as a check. On inflationary concerns. I don't know if you noticed last 24 hours, Morgan Stanley basically said the auto chip shortage is over. Uh, Baltic dry is now down 50 percent from the October peak. This morning, the IEA comes out and says the end of the oil rally is in sight because these inventories are not getting drawn down as we thought. I mean, maybe it's demand destruction, but clearly there are some checks on inflation. Yeah, I mean, look, we have these people come on.
3: All morning, and people come on and say, well, David, it's structural. It's not coming down. I mean, forget it. It's, like, really bad, and the consumer's hurt. I don't know. You know who's hurt? The Walmart Cheryl. OK, because Walmart is giving the bargain to the person who shops there, not to the person who owns the stock. Yes, it's true. Home Depot, the prices are up, but they have no choice because if you go to Whirlpool, they had to raise the price. Why? Because steel's more expensive. Why do Black & Decker have to raise the price? Because they're importing from China. So, David, some people are passing on. But the vast majority, David, the margins aren't going up that much. And I think that people are overscating inflation and making it sound like it's forever. David, those people... Those people are natives. All right. Well, you've been in that camp
2: for a while. You and I were having this conversation at least a year ago. I remember when we were sitting 30 feet apart in our New Jersey headquarters. I mean, after well, a while, transitory does become a
3: miles apart. It's even safer. Yeah,
2: it, <laughs> it's true. It is even safer. Although we're very safe, guys. I, I have to talk about Peloton because it's fascinating me this morning. Um, Their decision to sell a billion dollars, or perhaps if they exercise the green shoe, uh, what may be as much as um, a billion, 150 million in stock. Stock's up. Interesting. Stock's up. Uh, Even though, after talking to a number of people this morning, many see it as a clear indication this is a company that simply has no visibility whatsoever, whether it's into its supply chain or ultimate demand, what Christmas is going to look like. And I mention that because, I mean, they're selling stock at the lows. Uh, and David, yet David, it David, does appear, David. it does appear, Jim, that they're getting investors in there perhaps
3: who are willing to, willing
2: to take a long-term view. Yes, Jim.
3: Go over that conference call where the CFO said, listen, one thing we want to make clear, we don't need money. No, <laughs> no, we don't need No, even, oh, no, I, no I, money I here. It. We're fine. I mean, unbelievable. There,
2: there Unbelievable! We don't see the need for any additional capital raise based on our current outlook. As we mentioned, we're taking significant steps to adjust our expenses across cost of goods sold and operating expenses with revised revenue guidance. We have a lot of levers to pull. The levers. That was the 4th of November. 4th of November. So what is it? The 16th? 12 days later? Oh, we're selling $1.15 billion in stock. Thank you very much. But uh, I'm surprised to see the stock up. It was down sharply yesterday. There may have been some wall crossing going on as the underwriters started to try and see what the appetite potentially would be for this sale of stock. But Down. you did have some sales yesterday. It's clearly, some, maybe people knew about it. I don't know, Carl. But uh, fascinating from a corporate finance standpoint. They chose to do this now. And, Jim, I don't know what it says about their visibility, except they simply have none. But they're getting the cushion that perhaps they need to see them through what clearly is a period <laughs> Uh, of some difficulty in terms of assessing demand and what they can actually get.
3: The 12 days since they told us they didn't need the money and now they need the money? When I saw John Foley recently, he told me I was picky on his company.
1: Carl, you know what? The prosecution rests. Uh, Guys, a lot of news in EVs. Uh, Lucid, that's a fresh, uh, what, I guess uh, nine-month high. Rivian well, Jim, bigger. That's what we Rivian like. now has a bigger market cap than Volkswagen.
3: Wow. Rivian's bigger than Mark. Okay, so Ford gets 15 billion from Rivian. They're not friends, by the way. Let me just make it very clear: they're not friends. They're not buddies. Not pals. They're competitors. Ford may be the winner of this, but but they got to sell, and they got to build battery plants, and they got to electrify. David, if you don't electrify, you are ice internal combustion engine understood
2: Uh, let's not forget the infrastructure bill got signed that's seven and a half billion for EV charging which is going to be very important to the ability to roll out in a much broader uh, way uh, electric vehicles Uh, because you got to have places to charge them if you're going to have a lot of people driving them all over the place Uh, we'll see how quickly that money actually is translated into, into starting to have a nationwide network in a real way that's more robust than currently. But Rivian, I don't know what you say. $140 billion market value, I mean, Carl. enough already with the Rivian, right? Billion. What do you mean enough already? what well, I'm saying people
3: keep buying it. I mean, who did they place it with? They must have placed one with the greatest accounts on earth. I told you that day one. I know you You were did. sitting here. I, did. I know you was a you. great scoop. You had a great scoop,
2: okay? Oh, it was a scoop, but I did tell you it was it was not going anywhere. The book was incredibly solid, well, it was sovereign funds, big growth funds, and they were not going to be sellers. Well, Maybe they are Ford, now. I mean, how Ford can you not sell it 140
3: billion? Ford should announce yeah. that they want to sell their, sell, sell theirs in a block right now. Do you think the stock would go up or down after Peloton? They own 12% of the company, I think, right? They should blow 10, it out. Yeah, 10%. They 12%. should blow it. Jim
1: Farley, yeah. if you're listening. Blow out your Rivian.
3: Let me see if he just. uh,
1: Meanwhile, uh, Tesla, Musk sells another uh, 900 million or so, exercising some options. Uh, We'll watch that because 994 on Tesla, Jim, is a bear market from the all time intraday high.
3: Yeah. um, Look, uh, there seems to be an endless amount of money for anything that's EV and no money for anything that has earnings right now. I mean, it's incredible when you look at it. Well, Home Depot's earnings, but what people are excited about are uh, pie in the sky. That's why I'm going to Lucid today, Carl. I've got to find, I mean, Lucid, yes, they're have. they have, they're making 17,000 cars. They're going to raise that number, 17,000. That's all they're making. Now, Rivian, Amazon will buy every single truck they have. But I am absolutely just astonished by how much people want these stocks.
2: Astonished. I mean, Lucid's market RV... value is is the same as Ford's. It's the same as
3: Ford's. Basically, well, we got to stop comparing everything to Ford.
2: Why? Well, I got to compare things. I like you know, I like my little market cap comparisons. By the way, back to retail, Home Depot is bigger than Mar- uh, Walmart. I don't know if that's happened before, but it's happening now.
3: China's 45% bigger than the United States. Uh, increase okay. in
2: the stock price during the course of the year. Walmart hasn't gone up, so Home Depot now has a larger market value than uh, than Walmart. Well, uh, I don't know what to say. What, what, what do you want me to say? No, I'm um, just... Walmart I like, should have well, raised prices. And, and Netflix has a bigger market cap than Disney. And AMD is getting very close to Intel's. You know, it's just interesting to keep track of these things. Well, how about you didn't mention NVIDIA, which is larger trends. than
3: every semiconductor company in the country. If you add them all up, there. Because it's not yes. a semiconductor company. And Rivian is not an auto company. And Lucid is not an auto company. These are delivery mechanisms for technology. And we got to stop it.
2: All right. Well, if they're delivery mechanisms for technology, then that's why Apple should get involved in that business. And if and when well, I they agree do, what's that, that going to mean?
3: Ford stole Apple's uh, car guy. Farley is aggressive. Farley told me yesterday he wants to take no prisoners, take no prisoners against against Musk. TNP. Well, uh, he invoked TNP,
2: 14 bill, whatever. Then I don't know what the number would be after taxes for them, but it probably would help, wouldn't it? Carl, they sold if that Ford Rivian Motor
3: <laughs> closed down all of its internal combustion engines and just did the F one hundred and fifty, okay, returned all the spare cash it has, would Ford therefore be bigger than Ford?
1: <laughs> uh, that's uh, that's pretty meta, uh, so wow. to speak, uh, Jim. Oh, hey, meta. we mentioned we mentioned Elon Musk and uh, and some selling of stock. Um, Uber, Dara's is going to buy some. And you got Uber up 3% today. Also over at DraftKings, Robbins buying about 400,000 shares. Uh, all those shares are not responding in kind, Jim. That's been a tough run for the last couple of months. Yeah, you know, I look at Uber.
3: I mean, I know we come back to something that David said when Uber first started. They have to be self-driving. They can't be in a situation where they have to continually pay more for drivers. David, where is the self-driving Uber? Uh, it's not here yet. It's not here uh-huh. yet. Is, may, is Dara may, buying stock because he thinks it's going to happen? Because it's certainly it not for his current while. business. I part. remember meeting with Travis
2: Kalanick, the founder. This yeah. is years ago, and he was. We were in New York, and he was pointing out there. He's like, "Soon, we're going to have. It's going to be all autonomous. You're never going to need a garage." I remember him saying that. It's going to change uh-huh. everything. Nobody's going to take okay. mass transit. I mean, went on and on. What are we going to do with all the garages that need to be repurposed? That's I was like, what he oh, said. That's exciting. Yeah, that, well, I, I mean, I, that was supposed to be here by now, Jim. Uh, well, obviously, let's give him a show. You know, Can we give, give him a show with Newman?
3: How about the Kalanick and Newman show? I, uh, I don't know. Either one of them are going to be happy that you put the two of them together like that. Well, Carl, I mean, I'm just, you know, I'm thinking outside the box. I mean... Newman was a great visionary with uh, WeWork, and Kalanick was a great visionary with uh, self, you know, with Uber there. You know?
2: Well, he was with um, Uber, and well, well, uh, Autonomous that idea? is going to make a significant change in that model if and when it gets here, if they do have fleets and, and what they'll be able to do. Jim, there's no doubt. Um, well, just a question of can't when. can happen soon
3: enough. You know what, I'm gonna to talk to Intel today, Pat Gelsinger. He's got Mobileye. Maybe he has some solutions. Right, look, I'm like 10 bears. In outlaw Josie Wales. I come in peace when it comes to Intel. Uh, we're all looking bears?
2: forward to that interview. I know. Uh-huh. But are you going to you gonna bring the heat or are you going to, you know, just sort of be really
3: nice? Um, I'm trying to figure that out right now. I don't know. I'm kind of heat oriented. <laughs> what do you think, Carl? Softball? Hardball? Fastball? I, I you know, what? I don't guessing, come in. I'm not the Rams. I'm the Niners. Who would have
1: thought? They looked good. They looked really Didn't good. they? Jim. Uh, yeah. Holy cow. Uh, hey, you know it Dallas turned out to be Stafford, here. Stafford. Yep. Uh, And HD is adding about 100 of those points. Let's get to Bob Bassani. Hey, Bob. That's right. It's all about consumer
5: discretionary today, Carl. Uh, The important thing is, look at those retail sales numbers. They were just terrific. Home Depot is great on the comps. Walmart great on the comps. So it's a day for the retailers. Bodes very well for the retail reports that we're going to be getting in the next few days. There's consumer discretionary. That's a new historic high for the consumer discretionary sector. Healthcare up. It's been basically lagging uh, this month, so that's nice to see. Tech stronger. Even though some of the semis are down today. Industrial's doing well. Banks finally taking a little bit of a breather. They were strong yesterday. I hope you saw that terrific interview uh, with the Walmart CEO really laid out why they were doing so well. But it's very important to point out these are great comp store sales. Domestic up 9.2 percent. Wow, that was way above expectations. The traffic was strong, up 5.7 percent. The ticket was uh, up uh, nicely 3.3 percent. Here's what's interesting. E-commerce was only up 8%. Folks, that means that most of these gains on the revenue side was in stores. People were going back to stores. E-commerce is still a small part of the overall business. So I thought that was a very good sign for people going back in here. And by the way, the gross margins, they were just A little bit down, not dramatically so, I think another good sign. Home Depot was kind of curious. Did you see these numbers here? What was interesting was the traffic was actually down 5.5%, but the ticket was up 13%. What does that mean? Well, it indicates maybe uh, some fewer people in the stores, but what they were spending on, the big ticket items, kitchen upgrades, was very high. That 12.9% for the ticket, that's a very impressive number. And gross margins here only down four basis points. So very, very small decline. In gross margins. So, what does this mean? Sales are great. Comp store sales are great, and gross margins only very, very small deterioration. That's a very good sign. Look at this. Home Depot. This is the story all year. Walmart's flat on the year. Home Depot's up more than 40%. That's another historic high. 384 there for uh, for Home Depot. So, Home Depot's just killing it this year. These reports. Very good news for the overall retailers for earnings season, at least for the biggest guys. Now, remember, we're going to be getting Target, TJX, uh, Macy's all in the next few days. We'll keep an eye on on all of those. uh, But generally, these reports, very good sign. Meantime, fund managers, Bank of America, Merrill Lynch has an annual fund manager survey, global fund managers. My heavens, they are bullish. Only 61 percent think inflation is transitory permanent 35%. Powell's going to be very happy to look at those numbers. How many rate hikes are they expecting? Almost all of them are expecting just two rate hikes next year. And a good percentage are only actually expecting one rate hike. Look at that. Again, Powell will be very happy to see that. None, 13, 3, 8%, very small minority are expecting more than two rate hikes. What are they owning? Boy, they are very long tech stocks. Uh, uh, some of them apparently are long Bitcoin because that's amongst the crowded trade. And here's something interesting. I haven't seen this before. Long ESG. Generally, crowded trades indicate uh, a, a little bit of uh, you're sticking your neck out pretty far there, uh, Carl, for some of these fund managers. So keep an eye on that. ESG may or may not have peaked in 2021, but still getting a lot of assets under management. Carl, back to you
1: talk to you in a bit about Bassani. As we go to break, let's take a look at bonds today. A lot of good eco data crossing the tape this morning, as we've said. Retail sales is a beat, up three straight months. Industrial production, capitalization, post-COVID high. We're about 10 minutes out from business inventories and NAHB. We've got the 30-year back below two. We're back in a moment.
4: We save people money and help them live a better life. Those are the words that came out of Sam Walton's mouth. He loved to fight inflation. So do we. So yeah, our cost inflation is higher than our retail inflation, and we could decide to pass more of that on. We're passing enough of that on to deliver for shareholders. I mean, the EPS results speak for themselves, but we're proud to try and hold prices down. And our conversations with suppliers Today, tomorrow will be, you know, how can you help us roll back prices and swim upstream and be different than everybody else? Now, we'll balance things. You know, you can see in the quarterly results that that's what we did. But we start out trying to figure out how to help people save money.
1: That's Doug McMillan of Walmart with us earlier in the hour talking about inflation, Jim, and that balance between protecting margins and taking some share. I wonder if they're going
3: to have a changing shareholder base, Carl. I, I know, look, it's a great growth company. And again, my travel trust owns it. Uh, they're not being uh, at all rewarded by this current shareholder base for doing what they're doing. Uh, I know that people don't seem to even care about what will happen in 2022 because they've bought some sort of, of, of loyalty. David, who's interested in, in a company, and I'm, I'm, I'm just conjecturing, would be interested in a company that takes a long-term view, that wants to keep prices down, thinking that only the consumer will reward them? Is it possible to be rewarded now on Wall Street for what you're doing to Main Street?
2: Uh, yeah, it is. But, it, you know, when you look at your, your point's an interesting one, Jim, and it does appear with Walmart in particular. It goes through periods when it suddenly is rewarded uh, after not being. Uh, I would also point out that the Walmart heirs are still enormous owners of this stock. And it's an important point to make. It allows McMillan a lot of freedom to make those investments he's talking about without concern, really, necessarily, from the broader shareholder base, so to speak. I mean, what, they still own, Jim, almost 50% of the stock? I think they're right around there, aren't they still?
3: Yes, and I guess they, look, they obviously love what Doug's doing. Uh, I, look, I applaud it, but right? I'm not one of these people who invest with the Great American Inflation fighter, Fighters, Carl. I, I want uh, a big buyback. I want them to take advantage of how much the stock's down, Carl. I don't. Hear, I did not hear that.
1: Uh, Jim. Of course, we got to remind our viewers you can get in on the new CNBC Investing Club with Kramer. Sign up and find out more at cnbccom club or just use the QR code on the screen. Uh, got the Dow up almost 200 here as the 10-year yield is backed off a touch. Back in a moment.
3: Jim, what's on Mad tonight? All right, I'm going to take a ride in a lucid Air. Why not go for lucid Air? They go 80, 0 to 80 in 10 seconds. Well, actually, two seconds or one second. Uh, Square, CFO, obviously, Amrita. She speaks for the company. you hardly ever see Jack Dorsey. And then Pat Gelsinger is going to explain why Intel is going to regain its leadership over um, AMD and NVIDIA. And it could be a big task.
1: Wow, How about if that? this Lucent? is any indication of what the rest of the week's like, Jim, we're ah, in for a treat all week long. It just...
3: It's just going to get better and better. It's because I like to destroy the competition. I mean, <laughs> because I'm a competitive person. I mean, you know, I mean, like, hey. I love you guys. David, thank you for not giving me COVID from 3,000 miles. You're welcome. I don't have it to begin with, but you're welcome.
2: <laughs> yeah, Stay you safe. buy X out there, today? Yes. I buy an
3: X every day out here. Do you?
1: I buy an um, X good. now.
3: We never
2: it's even like mentioned uh,
1: Pfizer licensing uh, the antiviral. Yep. That's uh, another big story, but. Next time, uh, Jim, we'll see you tonight, if not before Mad Money, uh, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Dow's up 190. Don't go anywhere. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street.
0: Imagine earning a degree that prepares you with real skills for the real world. Capella University's programs teach skills relevant to your career so you can apply what you learn right away. Learn how Capella can make a difference in your life at capella.edu.